Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, here we go. Review round 11, Shelter Footycast, live from Backchat Studios. That's right. We're here for our weekly review of round 11. Oh, we'll get that wrong at some stage. Will Schofield and Mark Reddings here. G'day, mate. Hello, Scoey. In the words of Wayne and Garth from Wayne's World back in 1992, all we have to say is we're not worthy. We're not worthy. Will Schofield, you genius, you football genius. Uh, We'll discuss exactly why, but uh, I just have to bow to your judgment, your ability to forecast the future in footy. Thank you, mate. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that because, um, look, I haven't been living a modest life over the weekend. I've been letting everyone know about how just good I am at tipping things, and we will get into that in a little bit. That was the Southern River Band there from Thornley, the lads there. A bit of your music there, Skeet. Uh, We get with you every Monday, Thursday, uh, weekly to do a review, preview. Thanks to Shelter. Had a couple too many shelters on Friday night, Skate, actually. Just uh, put a just uh, just a backward step on the weekend, but that's okay. I, f- I felt fine. Just had a couple of, couple of beers on a Friday night. Yeah. A- yeah, I did the same, and it just sets you back if you've got a long Saturday, but that's okay. We're big boys. We can feel a bit of pain on a Saturday morning and then just cuts our way through the day and uh, find ourselves back on a Monday already. Very good. So you can find us on uh, socials, Shelter Footy Cast. Join us on Instagram there. You can watch us on YouTube. Just YouTube. Uh, have a search for Backchat. Have a search for Shelter Footy Cast. You'll find all the goods there. Um, it is brought to you by Shelter. Uh, they've got a big brewery down in Bustleton. And we've got a couple of events coming up as well. One important one, which I think we should go to. If we're going to do Friday night drinks, we might as well be doing it at a shelter event, right? Yeah, at the Wembley, 5 o'clock this Friday. Now, the importance of this is is that it's a long weekend. So it is a nice way to kick off a few days off if that's where you're heading. Is it a long weekend, is it? It's it's a WA day long weekend, Scowie. So, uh, yeah, what an afternoon. Friday, just to ease your way. Of course, Friday night footy, we've got the Bulldogs and Geelong for what it's worth. So it's worth uh, looking at that. Um, Skeet will have his credit card behind the bar for the uh, beer shouts, which should be good, so there won't be many on offer. Um, <laughs> there'll be a tap takeover. The boys are launching their Switchback IPL. So it's a new beer. I believe they've done that with the Wembley Hotel. So Shelter, Cross Wembley. 
Uh, free entry. Anyone can come down. It's going to be bloody good stuff down there. And we've got the Torre Butcher's Meat Raffle. As we said, said the footy. It's free entry. So, I mean, you can even take your, your, your mate or your wife, your girlfriend, your other a person in your life that you yes. shouldn't be taking, and then have a good afternoon or evening. Very good. All right, let's get into the uh, the big moment of the round. And before we do, actually, if you're wondering what an IPL is, Indian Pale Lager. Beautiful. Okay, very good. Big moment of the round. I reckon it happened Friday night. I know we're on a Monday here, but Friday night footy, which was a bloody good game. Absolutely. Richmond v Sydney. It was a big moment to finish that game. It was a huge moment, and it was extraordinary the way it panned out. Dion Prestia getting the free kick. and it's, This is where it is good to have the audio and the umpire and the listener and the viewer being able to sync it up. And, of course, the whistle blew just before the final siren for yes. a free kick, uh, after which, of course, not having heard it, young Warner from Sydney, uh, thinking the game is over, as you would have done, Scoey, Put the ball over the fence in jubilation. There's been a lot of coverage of this. So, okay, so Richmond get the free kick. Um, the debate's been around whether a 50-metre penalty should have been paid or not. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of chat about Warner putting it five tiers back at the SCG. <laughs> I haven't seen that for a long time. It, to end a game, when was the last time you saw a player absolutely torping into the stands? That's what they do in rugby at yeah. uh, the end of a Wallabies match where you think, okay, to, 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 finish to the end game. the game. Well, what's he doing it for? Well, he's a young kid who's excited about the victory, but I, I can tell you now, his heart oh. for those next 45 seconds as the umpires deliberated, <laughs> it would have been the most nerve-wracking moment of his football career because it could quite easily have been, by the letter of the law, by the letter of the law, it was a 50-metre penalty. Okay, so let's get into the letter of the law. Uh, thanks to Adam Papalia, who, you know, he's a rule player, rule maker. He's very much like our producer, Dan Cons. He likes knowing how things operate. To the letter of the law, I believe, thanks to Adam Papalea, it was not a 50-metre penalty. It On what basis? Not. So the only way a 50-metre penalty can be paid after the siren, which is, which is what that would have been, correct? There was True. a free kick before the siren. Yes. And then the 50-metre penalty action was after the siren from Warner. Yeah, you have to delay the game. The game's over, Correct. Game is over, but there's... So, so that you, can't, you can't delay a game that's over, in my opinion. Uh, you, you can give one away for moving on the man on the mark, which was irrelevant. And there was one more that was completely irrelevant, like, um, I don't know, swearing in an umpire or dissent or something like that. The three items in the rule book, the only one that was up for debate was the delay of game, which I don't think you can do when the game's over. Mm. No, it's an interesting point. And look, uh, far be it for me to doubt... Perhaps, and, and, and particularly the umpires on the ground. And the rule book. Yeah, the rule book. But if that happens at quarter time or at a different stage of the match, not that he's going to kick the ball out of bounds, but if he kicks the ball away, yes. uh, say just before the quarter, on the quarter time siren. Do you think they're paying a 50? 50, 50? Is it a 50 metre penalty? Or because the game is dead, so to speak, or over at the end of full time, does that then constitute that the rules which you've mentioned become. Absolute. I don't think that should have been a 50. Uh, I'll put it on. I, I think for the Common spirit, sense, I think. Well, and the spirit of the game. Do you want to see a game decided by that? When when clearly, he's not he's not trying to... He, he wasn't trying to kick it at a no. Richmond player or, or, or show dissent to anyone. He was celebrating a victory that they had won. Like they had won that fair and square. Richmond had coughed up a 30-point lead. So uh, Richmond shouldn't have been there in the first place, which Damien Hardwick spoke about after the game. So I think to lose a game like that, if they had have put Dan Prestia... Uh, you know, within goal-kicking range, 
They couldn't have lost though. They won by six points, so it would have been a draw. Imagine a draw after a debatable 50-meter penalty. And interesting the way, I was really fascinated by the umpires conferred and, and went through what they felt was the right procedure to get to the right decision in One their of minds. them came flying in asking for a 50, didn't they? I think there, that- was, there was a call for a 50-meter penalty by one of the umpires. Now, I'm not sure if it was Matt Stevick who was the, the guy that's given some advice on this, but he there was certainly a communication with upstairs. Yes. And obviously there was a... Perhaps it was a case of the most senior umpire or certainly the, the umpire who, who may well have known those rules that you've read out that has come to the fore to say, no, this is how it should play out. Which, I'll tell you what, to be fair to the umpires... Uh, not too many people, commentators, you or I, yeah. would have known the right process, and we follow footy every week. Well, he spoke to uh, Dean Margetts on Backchat a few weeks back, and they spoke about the communication element between umpires and how important it is for it, for moments like that. I think it was well handled, to be honest. Like, they, they, there was differing opinions. They went upstairs and checked it, but this is what we're going to do, and I think the right decision was made in the end. Yeah, and I just wonder when you say go upstairs, whether there was a chance for the umpire who was sitting up in the box to, to quickly look into the rule book. I mean, it happened pretty quickly, so maybe not the case. But I'll tell you what, there would have been a heap of heat if, the, if it, by the rules, it's, it had been a 50-metre penalty. You can imagine, with Richmond season teetering, Sydney, of course, obviously in the same boat in terms of trying to play finals, it was a big call in the context of a year. It was. It very much was. We'll get into that game in a little bit. We're going to jump into the Western wrap here, West Coast and Fremantle. Uh, let's get into each game. Let's do West Coast first. Let's get this one out of the way, Skate. Um, come on, I think... Rip we, the bandaid off? I think so. Otherwise, we're just going to be trailing it off off the back of a very big win from Fremantle Dockers. So West Coast go down to Western Bulldogs by 101 points. Uh, we both picked with the Bulldogs, by the way. Just an update on the tips, both one and one um, How did you see this game? Look, I thought the Eagles in the first half, bear in mind they trailed by five goals at halftime, but I thought they, they showed a bit more. It was good to see Jack Darling getting involved early. Tim Kelly got a lot of the footy. I just felt they were a bit more competitive, but they still trailed by five. And they, there were so many times at the Bulldogs when they won a clearance, I just felt the lack of pressure going forward and the ability to hit up players in so much space was, was a concern at that stage of the game. But look, the Bulldogs are... Very good side. They're not playing very good football week in and week out. But I, I, I saw some glimmer, some, a glimmer of hope for the Eagles from, in that first half. But at the, the end of the day, you lose by 101 points. You've got to say with this club at the moment, there are players there that are not going to be there next year. Now, whether it's because their career in terms of age and, and experience and time to move on is there, or whether there's just some players who just are getting a game and don't deserve to. Yeah, it is an interesting time to start talking about that given that you know, clearly West Coast aren't up to scratch, whether it be fitness, whether it be form, whether it be quality, like you say. And there will be players that get moved on, but there will also be players that need to keep getting gifted games. You, you can't improve if you just get delisted, right? If they just cut everything, you know. And you, you can't, can't just, you can't just, people saying get rid of 15 players. It just doesn't no, happen that way. You can't do it. So I, I sort of analysed it. And the big issue, I think, for West Coast at the moment is. It's called the moment, right? You speak about this in, in footy land. It's, it's the moment. It's a, it's a defensive and offensive action when you don't have the footy, right? Everyone watches the footy and the bloke with the ball and then the contest. But there's another 16 or so players that don't have the ball from each side that need to make decisions based on what happens with the footy. So when West Coast have the ball and they're moving forward, they kick it forward. You think you're attacking as a player. You're running to get in front of your man. You're trying to outnumber the contest. You're trying to get in a good position to kick a goal. 
But then there's a turnover. You need to, as a player, effectively switch from attack to defense. And I think very quickly, very quickly, and the, and every point one of a second counts because your opposition's doing the opposite thing if they're reacting quicker than you. So I think that's the biggest problem for West Coast. They're very very slow in the moment, and so when there's a turnover, it's taking two, three, four seconds for some players to realise there's a turnover, realise where their man is, it's too late. And that's why you see plays with Western Bulldogs running around uh, doing what they want effectively. It's because there's a big moment of time where West Coast just aren't reacting. And the last seven weeks, 0 and 7, their percentage is 39.3. Yeah. Now, that is low. We're going back to 1897 good. through to 1901, obviously VFL time. St Kilda, the only team to go with under 40%. Now, this is... Really low territory for the Eagles. Just going quickly back to your point, isn't it funny? Offensive running, when you're talking about you've got the ball, turnover happens, the energy that you are finding when you're running forward with the footy as opposed to how hard it would be or how more difficult it is to run defensively, Yeah, is that a factor in footy where, tell you what, to run defensively takes a bit more heart than going forward with the footy? Well, it's harder, but that moment that I speak about helps you. If you react like if you react as quick as possible, you actually have to run less. You might be right next to your opponent rather than chasing them. Yep. And so, yes, it's harder to run defensively, but you know you hear the two-way running stuff. That only comes into play when you don't react quick enough. If you don't, if you react faster than your opponent, put a bit of body on them, they stop running too, and then it's harder for them. So they're creating more work for themselves by not working. And then it and then it's just a culminative effect and and you see what happens in the second half because they get completely split open. And the turnovers that they have been uh, putting up on the board have just really crueled them all year. Uh, The Western Bulldogs spoke to a couple of people about Aaron Norton. Four goals, one head kicks. I spoke to Matt Spanger, the uh, forward line coach at the Western Bulldogs. He said he's the best young player that he's been around and he's been on a West Coast list in a premiership, Sydney in a premiership year, Hawthorne, he's played in a premiership. He's the best young player he's been around, Aaron Norton. Spoke to Tom Barris yesterday who said Aaron Norton is the best player in the competition, best forward in the competition in front of anyone. So very big raps for Aaron Norton. I tend to agree, but you're hearing it from the horse's mouth there. Yeah, and you just watched him on the weekend. And whether he's the best player in the competition, it's a, a question because there's so many elite players, mids, ruck, in Max Gorn's case. But he's the guy that I think from a forward... And there's, don't get me wrong, at the moment, you look at the leading goal-kicking list, Charlie Curnow yes. is a gun. Um, Jeremy Cameron's playing great footy. Yes. Uh, you've got... Tom Hawkins has done it for a long time. The King brothers, although one's injured, they're elite. They're going to be really good players for a long time. So that's a wonderful advertisement for what Aaron Norton is able to do. And, and you can see why Luke Beveridge at times gets frustrated, albeit maybe for a bit of theatre, about the Sam Collins treatment. I watched some of those highlights and I thought Sam Collins did a pretty good job defensively, but... He's just trying to make sure his forward is is given every possible chance to run at the ball because when you see him coming, you can watch his progress, yeah. the ball in flight, and he's three, four deep, and somehow he still gets his hands on the footy. Extraordinary athlete. That pack mark he took in the third quarter or fourth quarter was unbelievable. Right, that's enough. West Coast, see you later. 101 points. <laughs> Bye-bye. Get out of here. Fremantle Dockers, I mean, you can tie me in here. Do you want, do you want me to speak about... You know my belief in this team, or do you want to you know tell me about it? Well, you've, you've told me about it since the very moment they had the thirty-eight point victory locked away, and and full credit to you. What did you see last week, just briefly, that you felt that there was going to be that type of result? Nah, I, it was based less on the last two weeks because they they performed poorly, couldn't score against uh, Gold Coast and Collingwood. 
and, and they were poor. But I believe this team's built the right way. They've got a really strong midfield. Their back line is very good. I think the best in the comp. They're, they're the least points scored against again in the league. Um, they lead that area of the ground. And then, look, I know their forward line isn't, you know, they don't have the big stars, but they have role players. And that's across the ground. So I actually think they're built very similarly to Melbourne. They've got role players on the wings. They've got a strong midfield with a good ruckman, a great, you know, intercepting back line that can score. Like Melbourne's forward line, they've got Fritch and Ben Brown. Like, not sneezing, but you talk about Charlie Gart, Norton, Kerno. They don't have that. No. But they've won a premiership and they're the best side in the comp. So I look at Freo the same way. And look, there was a bit of hope in my selection, obviously, Skate. A little bit of hope that they beat the Demons, but I could see them doing it. They'd been on the road, beaten Geelong. That was a great win from them. They would have had a lot of belief, and they came in with aggression. You could see that they had the belief. And and look, to summarise the game, um, they kicked the first goal of the game, then uh, Melbourne come in and kicked the next six goals of the game. And Fremantle fans and players would have been thinking, oh, no. Alarm bells. Like, here we go. But they were able to steady the ship a little bit, come out in the third quarter, and they just went absolutely bananas. Um, Stephen May went down in that first or second quarter. Griffin Logue had a job on him. I was actually watching the game beforehand, and they they crossed to Justin Longmuir um, in the coach's box, which was great insight. You don't see that very often. And they asked him a question about matchups and would you tag Oliver or Petrarca? And he said, no, no, we're not doing that, but we're sending Griffin Logue forward to tag Stephen May. He said that 20 minutes before bounce down, which I just think in this day and age, people try to hide things. People try to, you know, play sneaky squirrels a little bit and, and, and you know, try to hide what they're doing. He was, this is what we're doing and good luck stopping us. I, th- I think that shows their mindset going into the game. Yeah, and look, when you've got guys like Chris Matraka held to minimal possessions by his lofty standards, I think... 10. Uh, 10. Least of his career. He has, and he was ill apparently on the morning of the match, so never use that as an excuse, but certainly maybe explains part of why he was down on the day. You mentioned Stephen May's injury. That was, I think, really important. Uh, Griffin Logue, uh, in terms of a coaching a role for, for Justin Lomu that was end up being terrific. We know Luke Ryan, as you mentioned, their defensive setup is really good, and he's the guy that that sets them up. So they they had a lot of lot of the pieces in place, but at halftime, you felt well, this could be an honourable loss. Yeah, I, I think we were thinking that um, another move that was made after halftime. James Aish went to Clayton Oliver. Oliver. Would you're sitting looking at Freo? I don't think you. You'd pick Aish as the number one stopper, would you? I, I certainly wouldn't. In the second half, they broke even with touches. I think they have 12 each in the second half, which keeping Clayton Oliver to 12 touches in a half is something because he had 20 in the first. Um, they, he beat him in clearances. Aish had four clearances to Oliver's two. So that's his real one wood, Oliver, is clearances. So for James Aish, given what he did at the weekend against arguably yeah, the yeah. best midfielder at the moment in the competition. Absolutely. Does that become something that Justin Lomu looks ahead to, say, Lockie Neal this week? I'm just, just saying a name for, for yeah. argument's sake. So, hang on a sec. Do we look at this for, for Lockie Neal? We'll discuss this more on Thursday, but yeah. James Aish, have we always seen him just as that sort of more outside player? Or I, think, I think teams are a bit hesitant to tag for a full game. I don't think, like we saw Liam Shield do it against Lockie Neal a couple of weeks back for Hawthorne, but... It takes away from your structure, and, and we're getting more and more into that with the AFL now, Is which which I don't personally agree with. I think you should try and shut down the best player. like that. But teams want to play their own way. They want to keep their structures the way. And then if someone gets off the leash, 
they put an H on. So I think I think he'll be their cooler. It'll be someone that he, he can go to players if they do for start periods to heat up. of time. Yeah, yeah, I just I just think it's unlikely in this day and age that teams tag. Which again, I don't agree with. Like I, I played with Mark Hutchings. I think one of the you know best taggers. He was a tagger. Um, can you name the best tagger in the comp right now? They don't really exist. No. I mean, there's no Cameron Ling, there's no Ryan Crowley, there's no yeah. no one that you, you think runs with and also gets the footy. Um, last week, after the loss to Collingwood, Justin Lomu said, a few of our players, a lot of our players, were getting way ahead of themselves. Now, mm. that was a time to look in the mirror. They did that, and the result is patently clear. My concern now is that the fans of Fremantle will, will take over that mantle. Did you say... Fra- so flag mantle, or flag mantle, oh, right. uh, and and get ahead of themselves. Now I'm putting you in that free mantle uh, category, of being mantle. a fan. Flag mantle, um, yeah, absolutely. It's it is a big big result, but they've got Brisbane this week. They're playing finals. We know that. Yep, that's just about a given. I, I wonder how many people book, book their flights to the grand final. And if you haven't, get on right now because the, the prices <laughs> are going up. I'll be there. Don't worry about that. Go on, flag mantle. Uh, very good. There was a lot of great players. Um, Sean Darcy, Rory Lobb's best game for the club, I Easily. thought. Um, Sean Darcy took down Max Gorn, um, which is huge. He's the best He's the best ruckman in the comp, and, and but Darcy was better than him. And Lockie Schultz was outstanding. They had a lot of role players on the day. Great win by Fremantle. Um, we absolutely loved it. That's it. That's the Western wrap done. West Coast, Fremantle. I, I don't know if we're going to be talking about West Coast winning a game this year, but... We'll see, Skate. Do you think they can win a game, West Coast? Just a short answer, yes or no? Yes. Okay, they can win one more game. Perfect. All right, let's get through the rest of the round. We had a bit of a touch on this one. Sydney defeat Richmond by six points. Uh, we both picked Sydney, so congratulations. And for the other two, I'm one in front of you because we both picked the Western Bulldogs, but I picked Fremantle. I picked Fremantle, and you picked... Whoever else they I'll played. I Melbourne. You picked Melbourne. All right. And then Sydney beat Richmond. Um, Richmond up by 32 points midway through uh, the third quarter, and they lose. They do. And one bloke who is entitled to be just sort of winding down his career, has got the 1,000 <laughs> goals. Buddy Franklin kicked five goals. Of course, he'll miss this week after that strike on Trent Cochin. Yes. Strikes are probably a strong word too. It was a bit of a yeah, slap, but wasn't it? it had to be a, whip, a yeah. week, didn't yeah, it? I think you can't, um, you can't be doing that. No, so it was a big win for Sydney and Richmond, as good as they were for a long part of that game, unfortunately couldn't get the job done. Luke Parker, twenty-five disposals. Dion Prestia, who had the last uh, say in the game, but obviously too far out from goal. Twenty-five touches. Uh, Sydney shows you they've got resilience. That's one thing they have got, and they had, they needed to show every bit of that on on Friday night. And, and credit to them. Uh, I'm still not sure their, their form against the better sides has been a little bit shaky. Yeah. I've, Richmond's sort of mid-pack as well, aren't they? They are, but you wouldn't want to play Richmond in the finals. I'm not sure whether they're going to qualify for September, Richmond. Really? Yeah, well, they're, they're in that yeah. that sort of that dangerous area where if they don't finish off the season, they get an injury to, to, to one of their big-name players. But, yeah, it was a good game of footy. He went 206 points on the night. Yeah. That's what you want to see. Yeah, Football-wise, that's, that's, that's why we both had a few shelters on the Friday night. We were loving our <laughs> footy. Brisbane defeat GWS by 14 points. This game was a bit of an interesting one. We both picked Brisbane, so another couple of ticks there. Uh, GWS never went away, but it never seemed like they could win. Brisbane were well on top for the whole game. Lockie Neal probably gets the three Brownlow votes. He has 39 disposals. He's having another outstanding year after a Brownlow medal a couple of years back. Um, GWS's ball movement is very risky. Uh, they've got the new coach in McVeigh taking over from Leon, Leon Cameron. With risk comes reward, but it comes uh, risk, right? So you've you've got a turnover and it's a goal straight away. So they're trying to take it on from kick-ins. They're trying to take it on at all stages, which is great, and they can score highly, but they're struggling to defend at the moment. So 
you know, GWS, I'm not sure where they're at as a team. Brisbane keep marching on. Uh, Brisbane, yeah. They, they started pretty slowly, by the way, the Lions in that one. Yeah. And so, uh, look, it was a fine day at the Gabba. They had 30 scoring shots. Uh, another high-scoring game. Uh, the Giants, I think I think by this time next year, we'll see a, a completely different Giants lineup. So I think we've seen enough on that their front to, to suggest there's – we know there's talent there, but uh, they'll need to, to get themselves rolling next year. And Brisbane, well, I still think they're the second-best side in the competition behind Melbourne. I think Fremantle is – in the conversation, but I think through consistency this year, Brisbane has shown me enough. A quick shout-out to Bobby Hill uh, yes. from the Giants. Uh, testicular cancer being diagnosed with. So uh, a fine young player. We know he wanted to move from the Giants to either Essendon or Collingwood at the end of last year. He's at GWS, a uh, young family. Um, I know that uh, he is going to go through some tough times, but uh, support of the Giants and the football community with him. Yep, we've got to uh, wrap your arms around him over there at GWS and the rest of the footy community. Um yeah, it was a good game, I think. Uh, I think we can go to the next one. Geelong defeated Adelaide by 42 points. This one wasn't going to go any other way down at GMHBA Stadium. Um, we both picked Geelong. Adelaide's 18th in the competition for accuracy, and it hurt them early. They kicked six behinds to two goals four in the first quarter. So if that looks something like five goals one to two goals four... A young side in Adelaide get their tails up a little bit and starts they start start really moving. But uh, I don't know where really, really where to put them. Geelong uses their experience gets gets over the top and wins. But how much notice do we take of the Cats winning matches? And it's it's harsh because it's their home ground and they're entitled to win the matches at GMHBA Stadium. They're they're a very good side on their home ground. They they play the different dynamics of that ground so well. And with Tom Stewart, forty disposals. Uh, outstanding 16 marks, which is a career high. He is just um, well, continuing the form that we saw last year. I saw Cameron Ling, who's played with some pretty good backmen, you know, Corey Enright, Matt Scarlett, those sort of guys, Tom Harley. He's put Tom Stewart in that echelon of all-time Cats defenders. So, you know, he plays a bit differently. He gets a fair bit of the pill, but, you know, they play well. Jeremy Cameron kicks four goals on the day. He's having an outstanding season. If Jeremy McC- if Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins were in different teams, they'd probably be leading the Coleman. But they sit third and fourth yeah. with about 35 goals apiece. So they're, they're both going outstanding. So they, they have a lot of pieces there, Geelong. But, but, again, it was a scrappy win against Adelaide. If Adelaide are accurate, they put more pressure on them and who knows what happens. So... I mean, a win's a win in footy, and Geelong will know that. They just need to keep chalking them up to be in a chance in September. Yeah, they're sixth at the moment. You don't think they'll play finals. You've made that quite no, clear. it would have been nice for Adelaide to you know, maybe get a win there. Uh, I think we'll learn a bit more about the Cats on Friday against the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium. So that, yes. that game, I think, will, in fact, for both clubs, Bulldogs eighth, Geelong sixth, we'll see a bit more. But uh, no surprise, Adelaide... Uh, a bit off the pace there. I heard a rumour during the week about uh, Tex Walker and, and his free agency status at the end of this year. Look, I, I'm almost certain that the Crows will offer him a new contract. I mean, he's been very good this year. Whether yeah. it's one year, whether it's two, not sure. But he may have the option of, of moving really? elsewhere. He's pretty old as well. Would have thought, 32 or 3. So, yeah, yeah it would be unusual. Mind you, Josh Kennedy, a year or so ago, was sounded out by whether it's the Gold Coast, whether Fremantle might have been in that uh, yeah, vicinity as yeah, well. So, point, yeah, point. it's um, not beyond the realms. Okay, very good. Um, 
I, you're the, you're the uh, broadcaster here, Skate Mark, um, who played in the ruck. What's his last name? Blixavs. Thank you very much. He was he was he was he was. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, like getting, it's like getting Lee Spur to say Sam Switkowski. He just cannot do it. <laughs> he put he puts too many consonants in there. Uh, he, he he plays in the ruck again for Geelong. Thirty one hit outs, twenty three touches against Riley O'Brien, who has twenty eight touches. Uh, and has about 45 hit outs. So it was a matter of, of the big fellas, but it goes each way. Um, Gold Coast v Hawthorne. Gold Coast defeat Hawthorne. Yes. 67 points. Now, I picked Hawthorne in this one, Skate. Yeah, well, it wasn't a... I mean, when you look back, they'd beaten Brisbane in Launceston, and, and the Gold Coast Suns, you weren't quite sure what you were going to get from them. But really, from the opening quarter, they were they were outstanding. I mean, they were they were de- demolishing them in the hit outs. So 40 to 8 in the hitouts, 35 to 23 clearances. Uh, Jared Witts, outstanding for, for the Suns. He's close to the f- best ruckman in the comp, I reckon. Um, he, he'd be close right now. Tim English is putting his hand back up there, but he's been having a bit of a break. Hang Matt, on a sec. You, Matt, so you're putting Jared Witts yep. in the same uh, sentence yep. as as Max Gorn and uh, Sean Darcy? Absolutely. Um, yep, yep. He's, okay. he's the reason that he's they've been beating these good sides is Jared Witts' dominance in, in the middle. If they don't have Jared Witts, they get no supply to their midfield and they, they cannot survive. You know, Gold Coast isn't built on defence. They're an attacking team. If they're losing field position out of the middle of the ground with no Jared Witts, say they have a young ruckman, they, they just are, are all at sea. So he's hold, he's, their, he's their guy that they cannot lose. You know, he missed, missed last year with a knee injury. If he went down, they'll be in big trouble. So I think the importance to their team, he's right up there. Yeah. And, yeah, Gold Coast, uh, great. Yeah, it was a great a great win, effectively. Um, they've got Levi Casbold and Mario Chole up in the forward line. A couple of second-hand footballers. Yeah, which is which is great because they would have been expecting King to be leading the way there, but he goes down to a knee. Like, I think that's a great sort of highlight for this side is – They've been able to get recycled players in there and actually play a role for them. Yeah, and you think of some of the victories they've had. I mean, they beat the Eagles first up here, which was, in hindsight, not not a huge result. But they beat the Swans yes. at the SCG. They've been Fremantle. competitive against at Fremantle up, up at the Metricon. So if Fremantle beat Melbourne, Gold Coast beat Fremantle, does that mean Gold Coast beat Melbourne? <laughs> well, they got within about 15 points early in the season. Well, But I think what we're seeing, though, is a, a team... And, and thankfully for Stuart Jew, I don't know Stuart from a bar of soap, but I, I think he's... He's got the team playing good footy. Obviously, um, it's been a slow, slow burn. But when you've got <clears throat> when you've got Tuke Miller with another twenty four disposals, a goal, um, you got I think the nucleus of a, of a pretty good side. I think the competition. We, if someone said to me the Gold Coast Suns were playing finals this year, yes. I'd be wrapped. Yeah, so would I. Because the AFL needs a competitive team up in that part of the world. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, be- as in. Brisbane, but I'm saying on the, on the Gold Coast specifically. Yeah, and it'd be good for expansion of that. Um, great game, very good. Well done to Gold Coast. St Kilda defeat North Melbourne by 53 points. That was never going to be any other way, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, North Melbourne were competitive to start this game. Jack Zebel, the captain, 250th game. Uh, they were playing for something. You could see the fight. They've been under siege. We spoke about that last week as a football club. They needed to come out and be strong, and they were. They were they were within reach of St Kilda at halftime, but St Kilda too good in the third quarter. Go on and score a lot of goals. Um, uh, they'll, they'll go to 8-3 and three after this game. Um, they're sitting pretty St Kilda. I don't think there was too many people that thought they would have started this well, St Kilda. Um, and, but they, they, they beat up on a North Melbourne side that, you know they're, they're they're right down there with West Coast in terms of quality. So it, it was a, it was a good game. Jack Sinclair and Brad Hill probably two I want to talk about. Uh, they're both guys that uh, Jack Sinclair hasn't had the recognition as a player um, ever. Brad Hill has had his stages across three clubs: um, Hawthorne, Freo, and St Kilda. Uh, he's had stages where he's been a big time player. He's won a premiership at Hawthorne. 
He's always been a bit maligned at St Kilda, but he's really playing a role this year that uh, alongside St Kilda, uh, uh, Sinclair, which is sort of a half-back wing role. Um, they both had over 30 touches, both 10 marks each. They're playing a big role for St Kilda, which I think they've lacked in the past, St Kilda, role players. Yeah, exactly. And also, I think when St Kilda looks good to me is when Paddy Ryder, Rowan Marshall, it, once they those yeah. two can play continuously together. And some clubs don't have the, the, two, the genuine two Ruckman as their options. But I think St Kilda, it works well for them. If you look at the good teams, though, Melbourne, so Gorn and Jackson, Frio, Darcy and Lobb. Yeah, Are you putting Lobb as, as a... Well, I don't think Lobb's a... a, a yeah, he's, he's not, he's, but Jackson's not a Ruckman. No, like, true. Like, it's, it's, the, it's the Batman and Robin thing, right? So but, Rowan Marshall's playing a lot of forward time with Ryder yep. in the team. So there's three of the top four sides-ish that have got two Ruckman going at it. So maybe they're onto something there. Absolutely. You mean, yeah, Sinclair Hill, terrific. A big third quarter. Uh, in terms of... Percentage. I mean, given what uh, North Melbourne and, and West Coast are coughing up, it was was only a fifty three point. It's, it sounds strange. <laughs> yeah. Only fifty three points. Yes. Uh, but the Saints, they're in fourth spot. Uh, that's crept up on me a bit. I, I I'd love to see them go well because yep. I think Brett Ratton and I think they've got all the pieces there. But I just want to see them against uh, the better sides really. Turn it up. A couple of games to whip through here. Um, oh, we should spend a bit of time on this one, actually. Collingwood defeat Carlton by four points. We both picked Carlton. That's disappointing to start with. But that was an absolutely terrific game in front of a, not close to Sally, but I think over 80,000 people at the G on a Sunday. It's a bit about what the AFL wants. They want this big rivalry, two youngish sides going at it, comes down to the wire. That's that's If you're going to promote AFL... This is the game to do it. Yeah, 80,627 to be exact. So that's Very the number. When I, knew I knew you'd be all over the, the crowd numbers. Well, when the numbers have been down in Victoria, particularly with uh, footy and COVID, whatever it is, they're not going. So that, that's been an issue for them. But uh, Carlton held goalless in the third quarter, I think, for the first time this year. Wow. So that's that's a big tick for, for Collingwood. And we saw what they did against the Dockers, and their pressure was really good all day yesterday. The big concern for Carlton yesterday was losing Jacob Wiedering with a shoulder injury. Yeah, which is which is a, like a big out. We spoke about their pillars at the end of the ground. So we've got Harry Mackay, he's out. Um, Liam Jones is d- done. He's retired. So they're missing those two. Charlie Kernow's still holding up his end of the bargain with another four goals. He's outstanding, leading the common medal. But Jacob Wiedering, I think, is probably the number one player Carlton couldn't afford to lose. Now, we'll see how severe that shoulder injury was. It was a bump on Jordan Dugowie, um that caused it. It didn't look like a shoulder dislocation, which is good news. It looked more like an AC, um, which the difference between those is you can play with an AC, you can jab it, um, you can have a bit of assistance from downstairs, but you can't do that with a dislocated shoulder. If he's, if he's actually sublaxed his shoulder out of the joint and needs surgery... He'll be he'll be done for ten to twelve weeks, so almost season over. Yeah, and that's that's not season over for Carlton, but he's a very difficult player to replace. So they lose him uh, when he went down. Collingwood kicked three goals in a row, and that's the game right there. Mm. So that that's how important he is. He stops goals. Yeah, and you talked about the, the that little spurt that Collingwood had. Carlton trailed by the best part of four goals inside ten minutes to play. They kicked. Three of those to, to get close. Uh, Silvani had a chance in the, in the last 30 seconds. thought he kicked it. I so did I initially it. when I, when I saw that. I watched the umpire as opposed to the yeah. ball. And the umpire, oh, he hasn't gone too far to his left. But it was a point. And then I get another chance. And there's a bit of controversy over a potential high tackle on Sam Walsh. I think it was. I saw that. In the last, look, five for seconds. Me, five seconds. 
I'm letting that go. But that's, I mean, you could easily pay that and we could have more drama ahead. Either heads. you or I are going to be umpires anytime soon. Last game, <laughs> Port defeat Essendon by 16 points. We'll whip through this because we are running out of our time a little bit. Um, you tipped Essendon. I tipped Essendon. I know. You so, idiot. So I'm, look, I'm, I pick Freo, I pick Essendon. You win <laughs> so some, you say, lose some. Hang on a sec. We've made the greatest amount of uh, noise and given you credit and kudos for, uh, for tipping pick- Fremantle against Melbourne. Yet you're just going to brush over the fact you, you tipped Essendon against Port Adelaide, who were never a chance to win, really. Congratulations, you picked a favourite, mate. <laughs> what do you want me to do here? Do you want me to give you, some, you want me to slab of shelter, maybe? Thank you very much. Oh, very good. So, I mean, that's a bit of a, to be honest, it was a bit of a nothing game to finish the week. Yeah, rain came in, and look, Port Adelaide, we discussed this last week. I, I said they can still play finals, but um, I'm just wondering whether those teams above them are putting together better footy. And, and Port. Uh, to be fair to them, uh, Ollie Wines got rolling in the last quarter. Connor Rosie is a class act. He's a shining star there. I'm just wanting to see Charlie uh, Dixon when he returns uh, with more continuity in his footy. Two goals, yeah, eight store involvement. Good. He's good. But he's back after the year. May well determine how far Port go. Good summary. Very good. You are here on the Shelter Footy Cars with Scoey and Skate. All right, this is going to build this segment. So last week we gave this one to Charlie Kerno. It's the Shelter XPA X Factor, but we're changing it up a little bit. Skeet, are we going to we're going to bring the parameters in a little bit? Yeah, we're going WI. There's a couple of reasons. One, postage and handling costs are going to probably tip us <laughs> over the edge a bit when it comes to because we're sending out a slab to the best <laughs> player of the week. Yeah, and if it goes to say the Gold Coast or to Melbourne, we could be out of business in about a month's <laughs> go. So we're going to go local, uh, very yeah. parochial here, and also. Uh, Smart economically. Yes, very good. So the Shelter XPA X Factor for round 11 was... Lockie Schultz of the Fremantle Football Club. 4-1 he kicked. And tell you what, he's a, a player that has been pretty consistent for Fremantle for a fair while. But hasn't had the recognition that others have had. Um, he wins the Ross Glendening medal earlier this year. Ben Allen medal as well. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Thank you. That's what you're here for. Just this little tidy ups because <laughs> so we can just get a bit out of the way. And 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 look, this this award isn't going to go to the bloke that has 40 touches every week. We're going to try to give it to someone that really impacted the game you know, positively. He comes out and kicks four goals. A lot of those in the second half. He was a difference maker for Fremantle, and it it was a really the catalyst for the rest of the team. Um, I think I think of the last twelve scoring shots Freo had, they kicked eleven goals, one. So that was absolutely sizzling in the second half, and Lockie Schultz was a big part of that. No question about that. Our X Factor player. Let's hope the West Coast Eagles come up with a couple of X Factor players between now and the end of the season. Otherwise, our Fremantle Dockers are going to be. Uh, drunk on success <laughs> and also shelter <laughs> responsibly of course you are on the shelter footy cast alright regional footy roundup. now this one here we're going to get a slab of beers out to the best story of the week from regional footy yes and there are plenty there are so many in regional footy of course all you've got to do is get those to us we'll tell the story for you and your club or yeah. your president, or your player that puts up that nomination, it's happy days. Now, we, we only started this little podcast last week, so there's been a few teething issues. There will be somewhere 40, for you to go, either on Shelter Footycast on Instagram, have a look at Backchat, have a look across those uh, little social elements. If you do have a regional footy story that you'd like featured on the show, get them into us, and a slab 
of shelter will be on the way to you. For an example, uh, and this is going way out there, but uh, uh, up in the Pilbara region, I've done a story recently on a guy called Kevin Walsh playing his 300th game over 26 seasons. I mean, it doesn't have to be a story per se on uh, something comical or something controversial. It can be someone who's reached a milestone that you think is worthy of giving him a... uh, a bit of shelter love. Get them in, have a look across social for where to put them. We do have a couple of listener questions though, Skate, so I'm happy with this. At least someone's listening, <laughs> other than uh, Mr. and Mrs. Redding and Mr. and Mrs. Schofield. Uh, Joe in Malaga. Yeah, we love that. Where to now? Hi, boys. Love the pod. It's been a great addition to my weekly rotation. Interested to hear if you think Eagles will free up a spot for the mid-season draft this week, and if so, what kind of player would they go for? If it's this year is finding about some talent... That could be around long term. Why wouldn't we do that? Yeah, I think they'll take a player. They have. They don't need to free anything up. They do have list spots already. They've got a couple, I think, yep. to, to potentially use. Uh, look, Jake Florenka has been one player who's been really, really good. Played South one, one game for the Eagles. Oh, you're right. Yep, a 33 touches for uh, South against Swan Districts on Saturday. So he would be considered. There's a bit of talk that they might head towards uh, an option in the VFL, but uh, let's just... I mean, we, we know what we've seen in the waffle. So a guy like Bailey Rogers, I don't think the Eagles will pick up, but 36 touches. He's been... I saw him against Peel on Saturday. He was terrific. So there's some local players, and we know that guys like this, like Florenka, like Rogers, I mean, Zach Strom probably at the back end of that queue, but there's some, some mature-age players that... I don't think would look out of place at the moment at West Coast to get them through until the end of the year. Are they more likely to take a younger player than that 25, 26-year-old? Possibly. Depends on what's available. I mean, it is hard given our... I mean, we follow footy, but the VFL, the SANFL is a little bit... um, in terms of minimal our, our knowledge on what happens there. We've seen a lot of stuff in the, in the, in the waffle, and the mature-age players are the ones that I think are playing the best footy. Uh, the only one that I can think of, Bryn Tickel, is a, a young bloke that might even go to the Dockers, depending on how they sit at the moment. I but this, I don't know if Dockers have a pick. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Uh, let's go to the next one, Skeet. Paul in Highgate, AFL set plays. Hi, Mark and Will. Heard the commentators talking about set plays during the Blues v Collingwood game. What are your most memorable, favourite set plays from your times as a player? And or fan. I don't know if you've had too many as a player, but I've got one right here for it's you. Just Scott. a little drive-by there. Well, I just, I just want you to talk me through you know, that stoppage in the grand final. Uh, <laughs> no, I, we had uh, we had one with Shannon Hearn, set play, um, and it was a very young Will Schofield and probably quite a young Shannon Hearn. We kicked a goal with two kicks from end to end. Shannon Hearn's kick from the uh, kick out to me running on a diagonal through the middle of the ground he kicked it about 70 metres, mind you. I ran, took a couple of bounces, kicked to Quinton Lynch, kicked the goal. So three, technically, wasn't it? With the, with the glove on? Absolutely. No time to take it off. On the run. It was all on the run. It took about oh, nine seconds from end to end. So that's my best I've got. So what I'll say in, in brief, and given you've played at that level, as you just reminded me, and I haven't, is the <laughs> it, it seems to be the set plays. Seriously, um, when I think set plays, I think fullback. Up the middle with a long... But, but there's more than those types of set plays. But they, invariably, the ones that fans can, can see, hang on a sec, this is... They've sorted this out beforehand. Exactly. Is that the way it works? Yeah, it is. Uh, sometimes. But I think it only happens when you're playing well. It doesn't often happen when you're going poorly. 
They go get the kick in set play going. Doesn't usually happen. Yeah. Uh, last one, Tom Tom in Bustleton. Oh, okay. Heave fucking ho. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, okay. It's okay, Skate. We're not on we're not on main day here, mate. <laughs> I've been nervous, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I will it Skeetos. Very happy with this week. Hope all is well with a win from the mighty Dockers on the weekend. Now that Melbourne have actually played another top four team and lost, will everyone calm the farm about how much better they are? than the rest of the competition, or is the Vic Media hype train too out of control? Oh, thanks for that, TJ. I appreciate your feedback. But I think when you've won 17 in a row in this type of competition, it shows you're an elite club. And, and they've come from oh, well, 2018 making a prudium. After that, 19, 20, mm, 21, bang. They were terrific over the past 12 months. They were down. They were due for a loss. You could tell they were just emotionally a bit down on Saturday as well. Full credit to Fremantle, but oh, I, I'm pretty confident that Melbourne will uh, regain their mojo at the important stage of the season. So, no, I think the hype is there justifiably. Can you admit that Fremantle can win the flag now, Skate? Flag Mantle. Can you admit it? Can they win the flag? No, I think if they could make top four, that would be a terrific achievement. I- I'm always loathe to, to say after one victory that a team can win the flag. Of, of course, anything's possible. But I, at this stage, I'd like to see more consistency through the course of the year from them. But they're playing well. What do you want me to do? Book your flights, Fremantle. <laughs> Grand final's coming up. There's a new airport in Bustleton. You can fly out there after you've gone to the Shelter Brewery down there. How bloody good's that? Get your flights. Get your tickets on board. Flag Mantle. It's happening. That's it. We're done and dusted. Socials, uh, Shelter Footycast. You can find us over there. YouTube, Backchat, Shelter Footycast playlist. Links in bio. Uh, we're done and dusted. Skate, it's been fun. Has been fun. Thursday, look forward at Teams. Uh, it's a shortened version because, of course, buy round is coming up, but we'll certainly find some issues to thrash about. Get it in the diary Friday, Friday night this weekend at the Wembley Hotel. We'll see you there. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.